Good morning. Welcome to Rose Bauer. Um, it's good to be here with you guys this morning. It's good to come out of a time of Thanksgiving um, and to be in the Lord's house. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this morning. Um, just as we come out of the Thanksgiving holiday and we move into Christmas, and I love that those two things kind of happen together um, as we prepare our hearts with Thanksgiving and then we get to reflect on the birth of Christ and all that we have received through that as Christians. Um, so if y'all would stand, we'll start this morning by singing Count Your Blessings.
is truly something to be grateful for. Amen. Christ is ours forevermore. 
would the kids come forward and go to Sunday school and, uh, or Children's Church? And uh, if you would like to sit, you may at this time. We have one more song we're going to worship to this morning. <laughs>
just honor and glory, Lord, and we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, God, that we that we could live with you eternally, Lord. Um, you are faithful from day to day, God. You are faithful to save us. You are faithful to continue to hold us fast, God, and you are faithful to bring us home in the end, Lord. We lift you high for that, and we praise you for that, God, and we thank you for that today, Lord. We pray that you would be with Brother Justin as he brings your word to us, God, and that you would open our hearts and our ears to receive your word, Lord, and to be obedient to it. In thy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here today in God's house as we gather together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hoping and praying you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends and your family, but it is so good to be here with you today. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse 31 in just a moment. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, we're going to pick up in the Gospel of John right where we left off last week. Uh, where Jesus proclaimed that he is the light of the world, right? He was sharing with all who would listen that I am the light of the world. And also in that proclamation, he was proclaiming that he himself was in fact God, the son, or he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And in that proclamation, he was calling and commanding to follow him, right? And what it says is that many believed. And as many believed, we're going to pick up right in that same passage here in verse 31, and he's going to begin talking to those who believe that he was the Christ, that he was the son of the living God. And now he's going to speak to them directly. And the passage we're going to look at today is so important for us to understand, for us to learn, for us to know, because what he's going to share with us is the important or what a true disciple looks like. How to know if you're genuinely saved by God's amazing grace. He reveals to that, what he reveals to us is there are many today that have what the Bible would call a false faith or a false assurance. Jesus himself teaches on this in John chapter 2 and verses 23 through 25 where it says, Many came to him and many believed, but he did not give himself to them because he knew their hearts and they didn't truly believe. Then we also see in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, where it says that on the day of judgment, many will stand before God and he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And, I, and many will say, but Lord, you know, I prophesied in your name and I did many works and wonders in your name. I did all these wonderful things. I prayed and I taught. And he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you, they had a false faith, a false assurance. And then in James chapter 2, we learn in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says that even the demons believe. 
You see, we're so uh, fixated on the word, what it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he, he gave his, his son, right, Jesus, he gave his son Jesus, and anyone believing him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All you have to do is believe, which is true. That's the first part of, that's the beginning stages of salvation, is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we learn in James chapter 2 and verse 19, that even the demons believe, but they are banished to hell. So what we learn in Scripture is this. A faith that is not authentic, a faith that is not genuine, a faith that is not real, is worse than no faith at all. Right? A faith, a false faith is worse than no faith at all. And why? Because when you have a false faith, you think everything is okay. And it actually, it does more harm than good. You think that you believe in God and that's enough. You think everything's okay. This belief in Christ is only the beginning is what he's going to teach us in verse 31. And to try to illustrate this truth to you, I want to share with you an illustration. I've got a couple of illustrations today that you've already heard. So just act like you've never heard them, all right? It'll make this go a whole lot better. Um, been here almost nine years now, and so I'm out of illustration, and I do apologize. I'm trying to get the kids to give me some more, but I'll do. But when I was in fifth grade, I had a teacher, a substitute teacher by the name of Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones had a rookie card, Michael Jordan rookie card, mint condition. It was worth $1,500 at the time. Now that same card's worth $12,000. But anyway, at that time, $1,500. But he didn't just have a Michael Jordan rookie card. He had a signed Michael Jordan rookie card. So that same card, it was worth $1,500. Now because it was signed by Michael Jordan, is now worth, at that time, $4,500. So I was like, wow, I'm fifth grade, right? Man, it's worth $3,000 more just by a signature. I know what I'll do. I went home. I had a whole lot of Nolan Ryan baseball cards. That was a ton of Nolan Ryan. I know what. I'll just sign Nolan Ryan's name to Nolan Ryan's card, and it will wor be worth three times what it's worth, right? So I began to sign them and take them to school and be like, look, Nolan Ryan, it's worth three times more. That's not Nolan Ryan. You signed that. And what happened was, being that the signature wasn't authentic, it did more harm to the card than good, and now the card is not even worth what it was once worth without this false signature, right? Because now I have damaged the card. You see, some, when things are not authentic, it does more harm than good. And that's what I want to illustrate to you in some way, in form and fashion this morning, that when there's many people who have this false faith, they have this false assurance that they know Jesus as Lord and Savior life, and actually it does more harm than good. And that's what Jesus is warning these so-called believers that come to him. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. What does it look like to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? To be, a genuinely, to be genuinely saved and have a real faith, Jesus teaches us that this morning. So if you will, will you stand to your feet as we read the word of God and we honor him this morning. Verse 31 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, 
If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and had never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Let's stop and pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we pray now for your help. God, we pray by the power of your spirit that you give us understanding and insight into your word. Not so that we have more knowledge, but so that we know you better that we may grow closer to you and live a life that is more like you. Lord Jesus, we pray for your Spirit's work in this time. Bind Satan from this place and have your will in your way. For it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as we look into this text, there's a few... A uh, few things that Jesus shares with us about a genuine believer, a true disciple. And the first thing we're going to notice is a true disciple will learn the truth, right? A true disciple will learn the truth, or that is, a true disciple will know the truth. A true disciple will love the truth is what we're going to learn. Every time I read this passage of saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, it always takes me back when I was a kid. I, I watched a movie, I think it's called A Few Good Men. And with Jack, what's his name? Uh, he says, you can't handle the, he said, tell me the truth, you can't handle the truth, <laughs> right? And, uh, but anyway, this, this passage always takes my mind back to that particular phrase. But Jesus is speaking. And he's speaking to a group that has just come forward and say, we believe that you are the Christ. We believe that you are the Son of God. And he's speaking to them. And what we learn is this, that belief is the first step. It's the initial steps of salvation. That is, in order to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of life, we must first and foremost believe, right? Believe that he is the Christ. Believe that he is the Son of God. That's exactly where it begins. That's what we see in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten Son, that you know, whoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Right? Confess and believe. It teaches that we must believe in Christ in order to know Jesus. And that's exactly where it begins with belief. But the word believe in John 3, 16, the word believe in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, is a deeper meaning word than just an intellectual agreement that Jesus is God and agreeing with Scripture. It's a deeper word. You see, he, when it says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have her less, he's not just talking about this intellectual agreement that, yes, Jesus is God. How do we know that? Because James 2, verse 19, has already told us that even the demons believe and are banished to hell. Right? So it's the beginning, it's the initial stages of salvation is believing that Jesus is the Christ. Yes, that's exactly where it starts, to believe in Jesus and what scriptures say about Jesus, but it goes much deeper. That is not the end game of salvation, it's the beginning of salvation. And that is what Jesus is teaching here. He's speaking to a group of believers who has stepped forward and say, we believe that you are the Christ, that you are the light of the world. We believe that you are the Messiah. And what Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly a disciple of mine. If you continue in my word, then you are truly a disciple of mine. Why? Why? For you will know the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. So here in this passage where he says uh, that you will continue, so he says, if you abide in my word, that is, if you continue in my word, you are my disciple indeed. So to continue in my word means to, if you obey my word, if you abide in my word, if you cling to my word, get this, if you hold on to the word of God. Those who know, and this is Jesus speaking, those who know my word, hold on to my word, that is keep it, obey it, follow it, cherish it, love it. They hold on to it and you are my disciple. That is when you know, when, when you, that is when you know that you know the truth. That is when you know you actually believe the truth is when you hold on to it, when you cling to it, when you abide by it, when you obey it. For you know the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. What is the truth? You see, that is a question that our culture has been asking for generations. And it seems like the answer to that question has evolved and changed over the generations. There's always a new answer. What is truth, and can you actually know truth, and is there any absolute truth? What we can know about truth is this. There's a few things that we know. Number one, truth is not based on how we feel. Right? Truth is not based on how we feel. To illustrate that, think of it in this light. If you were to ever have a headache, an excruciating headache, that it lasted for three days and nothing, uh, nothing causes it to ease up. Nothing causes it to let up. You're in absolute pain. You feel like you are going to die. You know, you've told you that I've got a tumor, it's pressing against my brain, and I'm going to die. And you go to the doctor, and you're fear, I'm going to die, I feel like I'm going to die. And you get there, and the doctor says, no, 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 it's just a migraine. Let me give you this medicine, you take that medicine, and you're relieved, you feel better. you're going to be okay. You're going to be, all is okay. You felt like you were going to die, <laughs> but you wasn't, right? 
Or maybe put it in the opposite stance. You walk in and you feel relatively fine. You just go for a doctor checkup and they find that you have a rare type of disease or cancer and you're about to die in a couple of weeks. You walked in feeling fine, but that was not the case. You see, feelings is not the standard of truth because feelings are based upon emotions and emotions change, right? Feelings change, emotions change. And what we know about truth is truth cannot change. By the very nature of truth and absolutely truth, truth can't change. It has to be true, always true. Not sometimes true, not part of the time true, always true. Feelings are never a reliable source of truth. You can't trust them because they're always changing. And truth cannot change or it would not be the truth. So it's not based upon our feelings. But secondly, it's not based on what we think. What we think to be true. Because we are biased in our thinking whether we realize it or not. Right? We are always biased in our thinking. And so our thinking is not reliable standard of truth. You see, um, are any of you Dallas Cowboys fans? Good, okay. Oh, did you see one? Someone up there? Oh, Miss Nancy. I do apologize, Miss Nancy, okay? Dallas Cowboy fans are the worst, right? <laughs> Every year you hear it, we're the best team. We're going to win the Super Bowl. When's the last time you won the Super Bowl? It's been like 1996, maybe. Now, I did like some uh, Emmett Smith and Jimmy Jones, like they were good back in the day, but that was a long time ago, right? That was a long time ago, but every year, a Dallas Cowboy fan thinks this is our year, right? We're going to make a run. We're going to win the Super Bowl, and then every year, it's the same old thing, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, you know, things like that, and they never, you know, for years, but they're the most, their fans sometimes are the most annoying fans because they think, why do they think? Because they're biased, Right? They think their team is better than what they really are because it's their team, right? And so we can't judge a standard of truth by what we think because our thinking is biased. There was one time that I actually thought that I was a good singer, right? But I learned over time from some good and reliable feedback and some sources I'm not so good of a singer, all right? And so we learn. I, I was biased in my thinking that I was a good singer, but I learned the otherwise. So the standard of truth is not based upon how we feel because feelings is based upon our emotions and emotions change. Standard of truth is not based upon our thinking because our thinking is biased, whether we realize it or not, and our bias will not bleed into truth. So it's not about, or I guess one, one of the illustrations I want to share with you about that um, is also not only what you think, not only what you feel, but also not even what you believe is true, actually. What you think, what you think you believe to be true. Some say this, it doesn't matter what truth you believe, as long as you believe in something, that's what's important. What you believe to be true for you can be true for you. And what you believe to be true for you can be true for you. And we're all going to wind up in the same place because we believed in something. It's kind of a little Oprah Winfrey there. And it's not true. All right? It's not true. Truth is not in the eye of the beholder. What you believe to be true can be true for you. That is not true. That is not what truth is. Truth is not what you believe to be true. Because think of this. 
if I think hot dogs are good for me, right? If I think good hot, if I believe that hot dogs are good for me, how many of you know what hot dogs are made of? If you do, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Right? I refuse to know. They are ooey gooey goodness that you put some mustard on and it's absolutely wonderful. Right? I refuse to know what they're made of. I refuse to know that they're not good for me. And But how many of you know, no matter how much I refuse to know, or it doesn't matter if I doesn't know what it's made of, if I believe hot dogs are good for me, it doesn't make them healthy and good for me. Right? No matter how much I believe that they're healthy. No matter how much I believe they're good for me. That doesn't actually make them good for me and doesn't actually make make them healthy, does it? Well, some people believe in their truth in the same way that I believe that hot dogs are good for me. They think as long as I'm passionate about it, as long as I truly believe it, then that makes it true. There are many people who look to Jesus the way I look at hot dogs, is they don't really know the truth about Jesus, The only thing they believe is he is loving, he is caring, he is kind, he is friendly. And if he's anything other than that, or if he's anything different than that, if he's anything more than that, then don't tell me because I don't want to know. I refuse to know that there is judgment for sins. I refuse to know that what he calls sin. I refuse to know what he's called me to do. I refuse to know all the things of scripture. This is the Jesus I know. This is the Jesus I believe. And if he's anything different from that, don't tell me because I refuse to know. How many of you know this? That just like me believing hot dogs are healthy doesn't make hot dogs healthy in the same way me believing that Jesus is only loving, kind, and caring, and all people go to heaven when they die doesn't mean the truth is he is only loving, kind, and caring, and that everybody goes to heaven when they die. And I know this goes against the grain, and that's why I got so quiet in here in that moment. Because almost every funeral we've ever attended, we've heard someone say, well, he is in a better place now. He is better now. But the question is, is that the truth? Is that the truth that will actually set you free? Or is that what we feel? Is that what we think? Or is that what we've come to believe or want to be sold? Let me ask you this. Would you want to know the truth about Jesus if the truth was something different than you currently believe about Jesus? That's what Jesus is speaking to these believers who were Jews, many of them Pharisees. You see, they had a box of who Jesus was, the Messiah was and would be when he came. And they only agreed in this box. And if, if, the, if Jesus spoke, this was Jesus himself, said anything that was other than what was found in this box, they wanted to kill him. Because this was the Jesus they knew, and nobody was going to tell him any different. Nobody was going to take that Jesus and bring him outside of the box. He was going to fit in this box perfectly because what they were acting like is they knew the Bible perfectly. That's what they were saying, and that's what they were meaning, and that's what Jesus was calling them out on. If if Jesus was something different than what you currently believe, would you want to know? And the Pharisees and the Jews in this day said, no. 
No. Because, and the way they acted was, we know the Bible perfectly, and this is exactly what Jesus is going to look like, this is exactly what Jesus is going to do, and this is exactly what we're going to do. But what Jesus is trying to tell them is that there's never a time and place where we've mastered the Bible. All of our life, we will continue to know and to learn and to grow in our understanding of who Jesus is. We've got to be willing. If not, I mean, nobody would stand up and say we've mastered the Bible. But sometimes by the way we live our life, that's exactly what we act like. That we've mastered the Bible and we've got it all taken care of. You see, here's the problem. Sometimes we want the Bible to validate what we already think, what we already feel, what we've already come to believe. And we just use the Bible to validate those thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. But the truth is, it is not, the truth is not what we feel, it is not what we think, it is not what we believe. Truth is only found in the person Jesus Christ. That's what our memory verse, our meditation passage for the month of November says. For John 14, in verse 6, Jesus speaking, saying, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. John chapter 17, it says, uh, sanctify thy truth, and, and, and thy word is truth, right? So what we learn, John 1 verse 1, that ultimately teaches us that Jesus comes in human flesh that is called the word, and that word is truth, Jesus is truth, right? That's what he's teaching. Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth. Uh, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. That's the truth. And any other thought, feeling, or belief that disagrees with Jesus and his word is a lie from the pit of hell, from Satan himself, who's the father of all lies. Right? He's the father of all lies. The only pathway to truth is the Bible. So the only way for us to know truth, for us to believe truth, for us to learn truth, is the, to love truth, is the word that we have in our possession today. Right? To get into his word and to know it in order to know him better. So true disciples, they learn truth, they know truth, they love truth, is what we see in this passage. And, and now we're going to move to number two, which I want us to think about... Most of the time, we spend all of our effort and all of our time looking at knowing, learning, loving truth. But this second part of the discipleship that he makes clear for us is, has equal importance, if not more importance. The second part of a true disciple, a true disciple will learn truth, they love truth. A true disciple will live truth. A true disciple will live truth. Not only will he love it, but he'll live it. Because how many of you know this? It is not the truth that we say we believe that matters. It's the truth that we live that matters. Because if we say this is truth, but we live something that is contrary to the truth we say we believe, then you don't really believe that. Right? Because our words and our actions must meet in, in, in this action of the walk of life. Because if we don't live it, we only believe it, then no, if we only say we believe it, but we don't live it. We say we believe it, but we don't walk in our life with the Lord Jesus Christ, learning and loving Christ, then no one takes it seriously, right? If our words say one thing and our actions do another thing, then it's not something to be taken seriously. 
So a true true disciple will not only love the truth, but he'll live the truth. That is, his life will give evidence that he knows the truth. That his life will give evidence that he knows Jesus because Jesus is truth. Why? Because he obeys Jesus. He clings to Jesus and his word. Now, we're not talking by perfection by any means. There is no way we can perfectly obey Christ. There is no way we can perfectly uh, obey his word. But what he is saying is a life of a true disciple of Jesus Christ will be different. Right? We're different. We're no longer going to be addicted to our sin, but we're going to be addicted to Christ. Our desires will be different. Our pursuits will be different. Our love will be different. Our actions will be different. Why? Because now Jesus is the Lord of our life and we cling to Him. He's saying this. We will no longer be enslaved to sin and Satan, but now we'll be free to obey Christ. What What he means is when we're born in this world, we are born sinful. And we are born in sin, we're enslaved to Satan, and we couldn't live a life of obedience if we wanted to or if we tried to. Yes, we could do some good things from time to time. We could be a nice person from time to time. But because of the chains of sin and the rule of Satan in this dark world, we would always return to the life of sin that enslaves us. But what Jesus is teaching here is that genuine freedom comes from submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ and obeying his word. It is the truth of Jesus that sets us free and gives us the ability by the power of the Spirit to obey Christ. So, the group that Jesus is speaking to, these Jews, these believers, they think to themselves they are spiritually just fine. They've got it all together. They think they have been saved. Why do they think they've been saved? Because they think they are in the lineage and the line of Abraham. They are sons of Abraham. And they are children of God. They are perfectly fine. But what Jesus is saying to them, get this, this group that thinks they're perfectly fine, they are through the line of Abraham, They're children of God. That's what they think. That's what they believe. That's what they feel. And Jesus says this. You are enslaved to sin. And you are an offspring of Satan. That's some pretty harsh words. For people who think they've got it all together. For people who think they are saved. Think they know Jesus. Think they claim to believe Jesus. And he says, you are enslaved to sin, and you are a child of Satan. Why? Because Jesus knew their heart. Their belief was a shallow belief that would only lead them to hell. So Paul tells us to examine our faith, test our faith. Test yourself to see if your faith is true. Because a false faith is worse than no faith. We're not saved based on our works. I want to be clear about that. We are not saved by the family we're born into. We are only saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we know Him. And as we know Him, we'll know the truth. And we'll not only know the truth, we'll love the truth. And we not only love the truth, but we'll live the truth in a way that points a lost and dying world to Jesus. May the word and truth that we say line up with the actions of our life. Right? This, is, this, this word that Jesus is saying is not trying to guilt us and saying we've been living in sin. He's trying to use us to motivate us for the faith in our life to live it out. Because 
what Satan would try to do is, hey, what you believe is great, just keep it to yourself. What Satan would try to speak the lies to you is saying, hey, you're doing fine, just keep it to yourself because, hey, you've got a few things that you struggle with and you don't want nobody to know that you're struggling, so just keep the faith to yourself and don't live it out. Just keep it as a private, because faith is a private issue. Faith is not a private issue. Jesus Christ has called and commanded us to make it a public faith. To live it out in a lost and dying world so that others may not know you, but they may know Christ. And what he teaches, it doesn't matter how much you know, how much you believe, if you're not in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not enter the kingdom of God. A true believer will love the truth, and a true believer will live the truth. And the only way we can live the truth that is inside of us is by the power of the Spirit of God that has been placed inside of us when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is the Spirit that empowers us, strengthens us to obey and do what we could not do in our own fleshly, weak self. But it is the Spirit that empowers us, leads us, and allows us to obey the word that he's called us to. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you so much for this time together in your house with just your people. And Lord, we pray that your word, such a, a prized possession for us as your people, and we're so thankful for it, God, and I pray that it goes out. Lord, I pray that it does not return void as you have promised. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to not only know the truth and to love the truth, but God, I pray that you'd help us to live the truth. That's where... Uh, the rubber meets the road for us in a Christian life. And that's where the difficulties we face because every time we try, Lord Jesus, we fail. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you help us as we live, as we love. Lord Jesus, help our dependence not to be on ourselves and our strength and our ability, but may, and that's what you're pointing to. We have no strength apart from the power of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. And so this is not a call to pull up our bootstraps, be stronger and be better. This is a call to depend on you more. Lord Jesus, help us to depend upon you to live in a way that is pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, they've not repented of their sins and called upon you as Lord, Lord, I pray that today would be the day before it's everlasting too late. God, I pray even right now that you may convict them of their sins and draw them to yourself, that they may know you as Lord and Savior of their life. God, we pray for salvation in your house today. Will you move and will you work? And Lord, may we respond in this way that is pleasing to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet and respond in a way that is pleasing to you? And ask our elders and our deacons, would you mind coming forward? Would you pray for the lost this time? Anybody else that'd like to come, will you come? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His Yeah.
so much for being in God's house this morning. Uh, so good to see each of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you to those who could serve at our Thanksgiving meal giveaway. Uh, we was able to give away over 300 meals in a very short amount of time there at Bob's Drive-In. So thank you for making that possible and allowing us to do that. It was a wonderful day uh, that we was able to give back to the community. Also, I've got a few announcements for you um, that you can grab an announcement sheet as you leave. Next Sunday morning, it's not here now, next Sunday morning uh, during the worship service, we're going to have our Christmas musical that Howie is leading in that, uh, so we're excited about that. That'll be next Sunday morning in the AM service, and so it's going to be a wonderful time. You're not going to want to miss that. And then tonight, tonight from 5 to 7 in the fellowship hall, our servant leadership team is meeting today, so I want to remind you of that to our elders, deacons, deacon partners uh, to, to be there and be in the fellowship hall starts at 5. If you have any questions, please let me know. And then Thursday, December the 2nd, at Reedland Elementary School, they're having Polar Express Night, and we are responsible for the popcorn booth. If you can help from 5 to 7 to give out popcorn, uh, please sign up on the sheet in the foyer there. Uh, we'd love to have your help. We'll get there probably a little bit before, beforehand to get everything set up and things like that because we're going to start right at 5. Uh, so all of our helpers plan to be there uh, about about 4.15, 4.30, uh, so that we can get that all set up and ready to go. It's going to be a fun night. There's going to be other churches there uh, that are serving and things. It's going to be awesome for the community. So that's Thursday, December 2nd, 5 to 7. And then tomorrow night, uh, our seniors are going to the Badgett Playhouse Christmas Musical. Um, it is at 7 p.m. The bus will leave here at the church at 6 p.m. if you're needing to ride the bus. Leaving tomorrow night at 6 p.m., uh, headed to the Badgett Playhouse Theater. And then on December the 15th, we have our Awana Family Christmas Party. That's a Wednesday night. Uh, it's gonna, you're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's great for the kids, great for the families. Uh, but that will be in the Reach Out Center, or is it the Fellowship Hall? Reach Out Center, uh, December the 15th. We have some more details coming up for you, but go ahead and save the date on that now. But that is all the information I have for you. But we are so glad and thankful for you being here today. May God bless you and you have a wonderful week. Uh, and be back with us Wednesday at 6.30. All right? If you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we dismiss. Bob Seeley, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer? So good having you and Miss Nada here today.